live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good morning on a Monday here in the capital city. Day four of the Jack Mitchell vacation expedition to Europe. No, I do not believe he is part of any coups. He's not gone as far as getting to Russia. But he did send me some updates. It was it was fun to, to see just where he's been, what he's been doing. Any and, highlights? And what exactly he knows if any... Oh, just a lot of pictures of very, very pretty areas. I saw some food. Yeah, there Mark was had food. to decipher what that was. That's Tell Doug us. Fitzgerald, <laughs> Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom, and... Uh, Mark, have you seen any of the pictures on where Jack's been so far? No, no, he hasn't. Uh, he's chosen not to share those. <laughs> I will. I will show you some pictures because I want to compare and contrast how many mm. of the same areas you guys had gone to, I, or did you talk about already where nope. you were going versus where he went? We had did not. Jack doesn't talk to anybody here, does he? He does the show and then he doesn't talk yeah, to us. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was kind of a quiet weekend. Um, especially as I'm putting together the sports cast this morning, I was like, man, there's, there's college world series there. There were a couple other items that, that happened over the weekend, but for the most part, this is now really where we're getting to the slow time of year on that end, on the new side of things. It didn't sound like there was a whole lot either, especially now that we're well outside of the legislative session and just, just not as much going on it, going into the final week before we get to the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, and you know we've had a, a couple of uh, uh, initiatives uh, been put forth, but that's in the get started process. So that's about as as interesting as watching paint dry <laughs> and uh, and grass grow. So yeah, you're right. It, it's just kind of quiet now. It'll be interesting. Uh, the statewide governor's calling shows this afternoon, so that's we'll right. we'll get some of his thoughts on on a variety of topics, and you can uh, you know of course join in and ask him questions. So. Uh, the other thing that, that I found quite interesting, and I don't know uh, whether uh, anybody has uh, had a chance to listen to it, but on the Lincoln Business Beat podcast last Friday, uh, State Senator Luann Linehan was in for the entire podcast, went, uh, the longest podcast that Lincoln Business Beat has had. She went deep into the education issues and the revenue issues as uh, the head of the, the revenue committee, and she was involved in all of the, the education funding. And now the pushback that uh, some of uh, her, that she and some of her colleagues ha- are having on this effort to overturn 573, the mm. Scholarship Opportunity Act. So, uh, very detailed uh, and and very uh, very blunt. Let me put it that way. Very point blank on uh, uh, her positions on. Uh, education, property tax relief, and the session. You weren't kidding. That's about twice as long as a normal uh, normal podcast for yeah. you guys on Lincoln. Yeah, it us- usually runs you know, in the high 20s, but this one was well into the mid-40s. So mm-hmm. she had a lot to uh, talk. And, and normally we do what, what we call it. We do an update, and then uh, one segment is a deep dive. She had so much information that it was a double deep dive. It was just deep, <laughs> deep, deep dive. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, but you really, uh, and regardless of your politics, if you want to hear some of the things that happened in the legislative session from somebody that was, you know, in in a I would say a leadership role as as the head of the uh, revenue committee, uh, and and several and the the one thing that 
I, I was always confused on some of these when they called them the, the omnibus bills that came forward right. after they entered the Christmas tree. Uh, she did explain a little bit on how uh, there were several senior senators that were members of both the Revenue Committee and the Education Committee, and hmm. that's how they were able to work because they were both very uh, involved in both of those areas, and that's how they were able to get so much done there at the end by okay. combining those. So. I, I just thought that that was not a process that, that I'd heard anything about. Well, we'd heard about it, but we didn't know all of the uh, the nuances of it. So I think it's always good when we can hear how a little bit of the behind the scenes, because we see what happens on the floor, but there's a little bit of the, the nuance of who is actually involved in what committee, how do they make that work, why is... Why is this work for this, but it doesn't work for that? Right. I think sometimes those those things are great to just get a little explainer on. And that podcast is available now at uh, KLIN.com. Yeah, it is. It's on there. Um, and regardless of your political uh, beliefs and leanings, it was a very educational. I, I like educational. Um, for, for anyone who's going to listen to you with Governor Jim Pillen at 2 o'clock, obviously, phone number to call right here in Lincoln, 402-479-1400. But we have that text line. If anyone texts ahead of time, do you guys just bank those and maybe get to those if you guys have time? Yeah, we'll we'll, t- we'll take a look at them. Yeah, so if you guys got a, any any questions for, for Mark and Governor Jim Pillen, 402-479-1400 on the KLI and text line, we'll just kind of bank all of those, and, and Mark will see if he can get to those during the show at 2 o'clock this afternoon here on KLIM. I listened for the first time last week, and I was texting Mark during it. Um, really good. Really good information, and I hadn't listened to it before, so... It was yeah. awesome. Check yeah. it out. We're happy to have it and have Mark Mark running the show for oh, us. Wow. Just checking things. Uh, yesterday was a little breezy, but a lot cooler. Um, 61 here midtown, but we're down to 58 out at the airport with a wind out of the northwest at 6. That gives us a wind chill factor. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it was, though. Well, yes, yesterday, 58 because, this morning. Yeah. Because of the wind yesterday, it was a little bit cooler. And, I mean, it just made it not as much fun to be out as if, if you were getting any of the dust because of how windy it was. But this morning coming over, I was like, man, maybe I should have just thrown a hoodie on while I was walking over and then just taking it off when I got in the building. But but it was it was significantly cooler today than what it has been for the last week or so. Now, now we just dropped to 54. Whoa. It was beautiful last night. Once the wind died down, humidity dropped. We were outside for, I don't know, probably about three hours, mm-hmm. just sitting. It was beautiful out. I like those kind of days. Once summer hit. Yeah. Even no. though we lost, what, what what have we lost now, 12 seconds of daylight time throughout the day? So. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> no, Total. There we go. Hey, coming up on the show today, we are going to have Tim Haruza in at 810, Mike Schaefer in at 835. At 710, we were actually attempting to get him, and I don't... I don't think we're going to, unless we hear anything in the next about 30, 40 minutes. We were trying to get, actually, Congressman Don Bacon um, on to come on and just give a little bit of an explainer with his background and obviously what he does in Washington right now on what exactly happened in Russia over the weekend. And you actually played uh, a small clip from from the congressman, uh, Mark, but that was on a completely different topic. That was uh, his reaction to President Trump's uh, remarks at the faith and freedom coalition mm-hmm. events over the weekend so and we'll, we'll have that cut again when we when we do get to the sound off but it seemed like as we went into the weekend i was watching the college world series and then i was just hanging out on saturday and then everyone was talking about russia <laughs> and then i get to saturday night and everything is done in russia 
that that just about sum it up. Now, obviously, it's not done, done. Yeah, the, that's like they, like it's it's never going to be done, done here, guys. But <laughs> but the the long and the short of there's this uprising, potentially attempted coup, and then that's done, and now they're on to the next stage of figuring out what's going to happen. I'm just real skeptical of this whole thing. Do you I, think it was it was all manufactured from from I, the Kremlin? I think that 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 could very well be. I mean, you don't uh, announce a coup from 300 miles away and then march on the capital city, get within 125 miles, and then all of a sudden it's oh, you know, we're all friends and good. You get out of the country, and I'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something wrong there. I. The fact that they took over that military headquarters in the one city, um, if if the that would have been Putin's opportunity to really kick him in the fanny, uh, you know, you don't take over the homeland's major military headquarters without a fight, mm-hmm. and so I'm just real skeptical. Uh, as I told Doug, and I, I don't know if you were there or not. The fact that that uh, the general's been uh, exiled or as had been taken in by Belarus. That's tended to the north of Ukraine. Could they reconstitute the Wagner group and come at Ukraine from two sides now? I, I don't know. I'm just, something is, is fishy and seacoast. Well, that- and there wasn't any, there wasn't, like you said, there wasn't any reaction to it. So, I mean, you put yeah. Putin in a corner and he's been talking about nukes for so long and there's no attack or defense, at least what that we know of. Well, unless the Putin forces just caved, you know, maybe they just withdrew, everybody withdrew, huh? Well, or they just agreed with it, you know, and they've, they've been on the losing side of this thing for yep. 15 months. There might not be a great uh, military uh, effort by uh, Putin's forces. Do we know where Putin is? Because I, I saw that where he flew, they said he flew out. Well, I saw Did one report back? that said he stayed at the Kremlin, one that he got, was off to somebody or to another one of his residences. Who knows? I mean, you can you can trust the, the the media coming out of Russia about as well as you can expect traffic to stop at a stop sign at Forty Fourth and O, red light. So, yeah, no joke. True. Uh, yeah, D- Doug was telling me a little bit about that. Oops, fifty miles an hour through a red light. Hmm. Yeah, please don't do that, guys. Um, no, you're you're right though, Mark, on the fact that if you see this this military group coming in. And you haven't been super happy with the things have been the way things have been going anyway. Just going, all right, guys, come on through. Yeah, like we're we're because it's what am I going to gain by stepping up for the motherland right now? Right. Yeah, you're right. And and so it just seemed like the the Russian forces just allowed it to happen and said, okay, there's the road to Moscow. See you later. And I think if I heard right, the the Wagner group was actually. They were on the Ukrainian side of the border and then went back into Russia. Yes, that's correct. That's where they took over the mm-hmm. the, um, the military headquarters, if you will. All right. So, well, I've I've got uh, I've actually got a few clips on this. We'll get to in the sound off in about fifteen minutes because in just looking back on all of it, it wasn't anything that that I followed real time. This is one of the downsides of of the the changes that have come to Twitter. Because when you when you previously prior to Elon, and now I think there are some good functionality changes that I do like with Twitter. So not everything is bad in my opinion with it. 
But the changes to the verification system, being able to follow who are verified journalists covering things, not in like Market said, not everything is going to be on the up and up coming out of Russian journalists at all times. But following some of these world events and being able to know, okay, who is credible? Who am I following if some of this is happening? That looked borderline impossible on Saturday, the couple of times just a little bit checking in compared to previous events where it's, we know there's this journalist from this outlet, this journalist from this outlet, and we know that we can trust some of their reporting. They just didn't seem like that was possible or credible on Saturday. Yeah, and you know when you when you take the uh, the news focus off of issues with China and a possible military base in Cuba, mm-hmm. the, the political uh, and and criminal charges going on in Washington D.C. on both sides, yeah, both political issues. You uh, you take uh, the the news off the focus of what are China and Russia doing together, uh, and you know all of a sudden we didn't hear much about the uh, Titan imploding. That's right, and yeah. they they are going to have a which is going to be complicated. And I didn't grab the audio for this, but it sounds like the investigation into that is going to be extremely complicated. Oh uh, yeah, especially because like you don't you don't have a vessel to go in and and reproduce it's a well this is where i guess this was a little bit loose and that would have saved everything so so you don't have that 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 does make it already extremely complicated and then the when did everybody know anything when was it verifiable enough to know that there was definitely an implosion versus getting all the way to when when the air had run out on thursday that's that's going to be a complicated process. They're pretty sure it imploded while it was uh, on the uh, way down. On, they know. were pretty sure on Sunday yep. is what they At, had heard. As it was making its initial dives. But but from from their reports, it was that they could not, with 100% certainty, say that it was that. So they continued the search and rescue operations. You would and, think with you would think with equipment like that that there would be communication going on constantly. In a type of black box or some kind of inform, you know what I'm saying? Some kind of information are going to be able to pull from that or pull from a lifetime. I mean, if you're if you're spending what these people are spending what quarter of a million dollars a piece mm-hmm. to go down there, and to not have the safety in place to even have direct communication, yeah, it was that un- would just blow me away. It was an untethered, untethered uh, mm-hmm. submersible, mm-hmm. and and that's in and of itself going down two and a half miles in the ocean and not being tethered. Uh, that's that's a a question. Yeah, that's. I there's not going to be enough money in the world for me to do that. No, if if I've got all the money in the world, I'm just going to build my own and pay and, the best. And of people course, to the do it. the social media uh, trolls that have been just mean, nasty, and ugly. Yeah, there yeah. there's a lot of not not great posts. Although I did did see one. Uh, it was a picture of a, a World War II aircraft that had crashed in, in the ocean, and and the 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 cut line on it was is. You might might just as well laugh at it. Said so there are more airplanes in the sea than there are submarines in the sky. <laughs> that's very true. That's that's a very accurate assessment. Uh, Mark, anything else happen over the weekend that we need to be aware of real quick this morning? Nope, not that I can think of. All right, well, not, good checking in the, with you. <laughs> Adios. I just want to say this: our you know our neighborhood had a swath of people going through and. Checking cars to make sure they're see if they're unlocked, and then when they were, they were stealing stuff. So my recommendation is always keep your cars locked and your garage doors down. That's yeah. it. Just because there was it was there was two days straight of several incidents mm-hmm. that happened. So it's it's come through our apartment complex. We know Jack has talked about it 
hitting his uh, hitting his son's car. Yep. They'll check those doors, make sure they're unlocked. That's the uh, what was it called? The crime of opportunity. If if it's there, they'll take the take the take advantage of the opportunity. And they don't care if you don't have cameras out or not. No, <laughs> they walk right up to him, wave, and try to open your door. So. That's Doug Fitzgerald, Mark Vales in the KLI Newsroom. I'm Caleb Henry. We'll get to sports coming up here in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. From Jack Mitchell in the morning to Dan Parsons in the afternoon. And, of course, Huskers. 1499.3 KLIN is the voice of Lincoln. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. Don't forget, coming up this Friday, Request Line Friday, it is Merca edition. As we go into the July 4th weekend, those songs that make you feel patriotic, make you feel like America, however you defined that, and that is a wide breadth of being able to interpret how you define America, how you feel about that. We'll play those songs on Friday for our final request line Friday before Jack Mitchell's return. He'll be back that first full week, which I believe is the 7th. The 7th, yes, July 7th. That'll be the second day back for Jack Mitchell. Obviously, he's on vacation right now, so it's Caleb Henry and Doug Fitzgerald. You'll get primarily this Friday and Mark Vale throughout that first segment as well and we'll play our songs we'll get to all of yours throughout multiple segments 402-479-1400 is how you text in those songs we've got a couple requests already in send those in now and we will get those into the queue for friday now jumping into the sound off of course we have to start out with Russia and the Wagner attempted uprising. It looks like Russian President Vladimir Putin is back from the brink after this wild weekend, but there is damage done and a whole lot of questions unanswered. Wagner Group mercenary fighters left the Russian city of Rostov-on-Don, which they had taken over, as well as pulling back from close to Moscow. Supposedly, they're heading to camps in Ukraine, but their future is unclear. Their boss, Yevgeny Prigozhin, left as well. It was his anger with the Russian military and its running of the war that triggered this attempted armed uprising. 
Now for some analysis on the Wagner Group. At least some people seem to agree with Vladimir Putin's view that Prigozhin's mutiny was an act of, quote, treason. We also don't know if the deal Prigozhin struck will allow him to continue to control his private army. The regular army wants Prigozhin's men integrated into their chain of command. And President Putin's spokesman said at least some of its members will now be swearing their allegiance to the Ministry of Defense. How many? Not clear. Likewise, no word if anyone in Russia's military leadership is going to get fired. That was one of of Prigozhin's chief demands. He's very unhappy with the Russian military leadership. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin appears to have avoided an embarrassing and potentially very bloody internal conflict. Now back here, what does the reaction look like in the United States? The Wagner mercenary troops were about 120 to 130 miles from Moscow when a deal was reached with Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin to retreat to Belarus. Minnesota Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar talked about the optics of the challenge while appearing Sunday on NBC's Meet the Press. Visible rejection of his war policy by someone who had been an ally and now it turned into uh, insubordination. While Ohio Republican Congressman Mike Turner said on CBS's Face the Nation that the worldview of Putin may never be the same. His government as an authoritarian government depends on its assertion of power, force, in order to be able to contain, to uh, be able mm-hmm. to continue to wield power. And that certainly is going to be an issue. Kevin Uretsky. Fox News. What we haven't been, I just, I've been reading this and I saw this over the weekend. What I haven't heard, and maybe it's not true. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it says that when, when Wagner went in, that they killed 39 pilots and crew members with helico- helicopter strikes before they started marching. Yeah, there Have was, you heard that? Uh, so we had, I had seen some of that footage as well, that that was one of the things that the Wagner group had said prompted them. Wagner. i got to get used to saying Wagner. Wait. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You, 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 didn't, <laughs> you haven't watched enough games I, against Wisconsin basketball. <laughs> they had a Wagner, but the Nebraska student section chanting, Wagner, Wagner. Wagner. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the student section. Yeah, there you go. All right. So, so the, the Wagner group, the, that was a... That was a video that I had seen as well, and that was allegedly what it prompted them to 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 go on go on this uprising, go on this march to bring some bring some eyeballs to what was going on, and at least from from their side. Now, who knows? Maybe maybe that was just all there, and then they decided this was a good enough reason for us to get what we want, especially for. Their leader, I'm very bad with those names right now. But, but that that I had seen that video as well. That that was what sparked this ultimately a a strike from the Russian military on the Wagner Group, which is not a if I'm if I'm learning this correctly, they're not officially part of the Russian military. They're a mercenary group. So Wagner's group killed. The Russian pilots. That's what I'm reading. Oh, that's what you're... It says in, in Putin's speech today, aired out his uh, claim that Wagner's mercenary fighters killed 39 pilots and crew by downing strike strike helicopters at a military plane during the rebellion. Okay. I don't know. Oh, that's just, what I'm saying. I, oh, during I, the we, rebellion. We haven't, but we haven't heard much about that. No, because we, we've heard that it was, there, there was no loss of life. Right. That's the, that's the whole thing that's weird about this. Okay, yeah. What I was talking about was actually before that, where there were strikes on the Wagner On that, yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Congressman Bacon would be great to have on. Yeah, and we'll, it. we'll he'll see. Come on here. And and I, and I will say as we try to try to coordinate that, if we can't get him on for seven ten today, we are going to try to get him on tomorrow yeah. just to get that that viewpoint of what does it look like from his military background and obviously his background now uh, as a representative in Washington from the things that he can tell us that. How are they watching it? What does that all look like? I think that'd be an interesting thing. And what does it mean for us here, too? Yeah, I think that'd be an interesting perspective. Sticking with that side of the world, Russia is causing some issues for feeding starving nations. A Ukraine official says it is all but a certainty that Russia will back out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative because it doesn't need Ukraine ports to export ammonia a key component in fertilizers. Cindy McCain, the World Food Program's executive director, said on CBS Face the Nation, reestablishing a blockade on grain would worsen food crises in starving nations. I truly wish that we could end this war so that we could begin again to feed people around the world and, and so that the Ukrainians can also feed themselves. What's at stake here is starvation and famine. Russia reportedly wants hurdles to exporting its own grain and fertilizer are removed to continue the deal. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Just more issues happening over there in, in so much of what we've heard sparking from the, think about a little bit over a year ago, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And now all of these go back much further than that. The tensions in the region go back much further than that. But what is continuously happening in the Russia and Ukraine areas, everything all weekend, the the long-ranging impacts of what happens to energy in Europe, what happens to nations that depend on that grain supply and trade, is very much far-reaching. 40% of the world's food programs from wheat supply come from Ukraine. That's a lot. And it feeds, you know, that whole area and, mm-hmm. and, you know, outside of America, I think we take it for granted, but it's a, it's a big impact. Now, also on that side of the world, there is a, well, from here in the United States, there's a trade bill being worked on to hold China accountable. Louisiana Republican Senator Bill Cassidy says his bipartisan bill with Wisconsin Democrat Tammy Baldwin would close a trade loophole that allows China and other countries to avoid paying fees. During an interview with the Fox News Rundown from Washington podcast, the senator tells us right now goods coming to the U.S. costing less than $800 don't have a fee attached, which has helped China take advantage of the U.S. economy. Everything is now is now costing less than $800. Uh, so they are totally escaping these fees. The De Minimis Reciprocity Act of 2023 would also require more information on every package entering the U.S. and use revenue proceeds to establish a fund for reshoring industry from China. Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. My question on that is if now there becomes a fee associated with those items, do those items just automatically cost more to make up for that fee? <laughs> have you have you bought a TV lately? No, I haven't. We've bought a few, and um, yeah, you can buy about anything for less yeah. than eight hundred dollars. Oh yeah, I, like I remember when when we bought my TV a, a few years ago. It didn't seem like it was that bad of a deal. Like that's the reason that I got it. I was like, okay, this seems like a pretty good deal. But my concern still goes back to if. If the item was seven hundred and fifty dollars, and now there's a fee of however much that is, is 
Does it now cost $900? Of course it will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's just how we'll it works it all over. So at the end of the day, well, Americans could be using this, this money for something. Well, also Americans are going to ha- end up footing the bill more for it also. Right. There's that. Hey, back here in the United States, we had heard a little bit about this over the weekend, but more on the Faith and Freedom Conference. This event as a whole was the largest gathering of GOP presidential contenders that we've seen yet, given that the conference did coincide with the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court sending the issue of abortion to the states. Many of these speakers made that the cornerstone of their remarks. Former President Trump called himself at the conference the most pro-life president in history and earned major support from the crowd of evangelical voters when addressing his legal issues. Well, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was booed briefly during his address when he criticized the former president. He was the only candidate to do so. And here's more on President Donald Trump making those those comments regarding his legal issues. During his speech to the Faith and Freedom Coalition Saturday night, former President Trump said this about his recent indictment by the Department of Justice concerning his withholding of classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago home. I'm being indicted for you, and I believe the you is more than 200 million people that love our country. But Nebraska Republican Congressman Don Bacon pushed back Sunday on NBC's Meet the Press, saying... When the government asks for them back, you give them back, you can't... And if you deny having them, but then you have them, those are crimes. And noted Trump critic and fellow Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie said of Trump on ABC's This Week... Donald Trump says that's for us? I mean, it's it's absurd. Kevin Uretzky... Fox News. Have any of the other of Nebraska's congressional delegation besides Congressman Bacon even spoke on this latest indictment? I haven't seen anything on it. I don't think I have either. Whether they were on the the same side where Congressman Bacon is saying, if you're supposed to give them back, you give them back, and he's come off fairly critical of the former president. Has anyone else even come out on that side or saying that... They're going to let the legal system play out, or they 100% support the former president, and this is all just made up and hullabaloo, whatever. I haven't heard anything. I've heard nothing from the, the other I'm, four. The thing I'm surprised about, and I didn't watch any of those speeches this weekend, but uh, Chris only having one opponent um, being negative towards Trump, Chris Christie, about yeah, that. I mean, that, I'm surprised by that, because if you want to win, you got to separate yourself. We've talked about that quite a bit. I don't get that. On, and, and it's it's something that I've brought up a couple of times that there are a number of folks in this GOP primary that are not in it to win it. They are in it to set themselves up for a future position, either on a, a cabinet position or to set themselves up for a future uh, campaign in a different race, not this presidential race. It might be 2028. That they're setting themselves up for, they just want to get in front of people and get increase that name <laughs> recognition for four years from now. And they don't have a chance. Or yeah, they, I mean, they just don't have a chance. And they, they and they don't want to get on Trump's bad side or Trump's base's bad side because if if Trump decides that you're done, think Mike Anyways. Pence. Yep. Mike Pence is done. He's he's in he's in this presidential race and he has, sorry, doesn't really work mathematically, but yes, he has less than zero percent chance of winning. Because of the way everything unfolded with the 2020 election and Donald Trump then as president deciding that he wanted more out of Mike Pence as vice president. 
that seeps into what the base wants out of Mike Pence, nope. and he has no chance now as a conservative to win that nope. that nomination. Yeah, and it's interesting to see what he wants to do because as he continues to talk and speak and share now against that, you just wonder where is his you know agenda going? Right. Because like you said, there is no chance, and he's out there now. The thing I do appreciate about what he's done is he do, he has put it all out there. It's not like he is running away from it or just hiding. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He could have just gone off into the sunset, but he didn't. Well, I'm, so I'm, he is standing up. I don't I don't know where that goes. I, I don't know what that gets him. I'm sure but, there are a number of his lawyers that are like, "Hey, please don't talk don't about talk this anymore." <laughs> uh, from the former president to the current president, Biden is on an economic tour. Will be starting one. It's got an interesting name. The White House is calling it Bidenomics, President Biden's vision for growing the economy. It's going to be centered on working people, I can say that, and growing the middle class, as we've talked about many times uh, before. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says the president wants to share his economic accomplishments and plans directly with Americans. Polls show most voters disapprove of the administration's handling of the economy and rate the issue as a top campaign concern. The address is set for Wednesday in Chicago at the White House, Jerry. Halpern, Fox News. It just made me think of Reaganomics. Right? <laughs> well, first thing that came to my mind was Freakonomics. You know, okay, there's a yeah, book that, out there, you yeah, know. Yep. That was why I'm like, uh, I don't know if you go there. No, but but, but, but so my, my question is, because we still hear about Reaganomics today, yep. Bidenomics, especially coming out of what were the policies during the pandemic, the, the policies that you had under Donald Trump and then carried over in the policies that continued or changed or however they did them under under Biden, we're still going to be reeling from that for a, probably a couple of years with the inflation that came about from that, how all of the, the fallout from that, because the prices aren't going to go back down. No, they're continuing to go up. So as, as you talk about where things are from the economic standpoint, we're still going to remain devastated in in a lot of different places because of what happened with the pandemic. And ultimately, though, as president, even though you cannot, like, the president doesn't control gas prices, doesn't ultimately decide the economy, but they they lead and they put into place, and they try to get Congress to make some of those changes that can impact what the economy is, work with the Fed to say, well, we might have an idea on how we want to go forward with Raising or lowering interest rates. They, they work across the board. It's not a one-man show, but it's like the quarterback in football. You're going to get the praise and you're going to get the blame. Yep. And right now, Joe Biden's getting the blame for the stuff that has come out of 2020. And they're already projecting, the, going into this fall and the beginning of next year, recessions, I mean, recession talk, inflation, like you said, is not going to go down. It's mm-hmm. continuing to rise. And then if you talk about tariffs and all that coming up and they start adding to that, Prices will continue to rise from all of our imports, which means 2024, I mean, we're only looking at, what, 18 months yeah. to the next election? So, Business leaders, you might want to uh, pay attention to this one for this week. Starting Tuesday, employers with 15 or more workers will have to abide by the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. While there's some overlap between this law and other laws like the Disability Act and the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, this one requires accommodations to pregnant workers when issues arise that fall short of a disability, as long as it doesn't present an undue hardship to the employer. So this might involve accommodating a new larger uniform, more opportunities to sit, drink water, use the restroom, 
restroom, access closer parking, or accommodate doctor's visits. Congress passed this act in December, and the president signed it that same month. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. I'll be intrigued to see if there's if anything comes up where there's issues caused with this. I think for the most part, employers have been, at least the ones that I've known, have been pretty good about, like, my wife got hired and she was pregnant at the place that she's still working at right now. So I think I've been fortunate enough that the accommodations have been pretty yeah. good, but I know that's probably not the case across the board. So I'll be interested to see what comes from that. Hey, there's an asteroid. Have you heard about this? Nope. Asteroid, it's going to be passing near Earth. A huge asteroid named by scientists says 2023 MU2 is expected to pass Earth. Fortunately, it's not expected to pose any danger. It's roughly the size of a three-story building and likely to pass our planet from about 134,000 miles away. That's a little more than half the distance between the Earth and the moon. Scientists expect 2023 MU2 to be closest to Earth at 719 Eastern. The Virtual Telescope Project, a platform with powerful robotic telescopes, Scopes will be live streaming video of Asteroid 2023 MU for those who want to view it. A couple more that I want to squeeze in here. Doug Fitzgerald is a big social media guy. <laughs> you you post your your stories <laughs> and all. How, how much YouTube? Not YouTube. Oh, I listen to YouTube all the time. You listen to YouTube? Oh, but hours. Do you, do you do anything with YouTube stories? No, not yet. I haven't. Well, not yet means you won't ever. YouTube users will no longer be able to post stories as of today, hoping that instead creators will post that content to other places on the platform like community posts and shorts. Shorts is YouTube's TikTok competitor. Stories were first introduced in 2017 as reels and were available to users who had more than 10,000 subscribers. They were similar to Instagram and Snapchat in that YouTube stories disappeared after a set amount of time. Existing stories posts will expire after seven days. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Hey, that's Are one you? thing you don't have to worry about doing now. I uh, thank you. <laughs> I don't use stories for anything. I might a little bit on Instagram if if my wife makes a post, then I just reshare it to mine. Um, let's do uh, do one more here as we talk vacations. Finland is working on something interesting regarding your cell phone. The scenery on Olkotamio is stunning, Instagram-worthy to say the least. But this tourist hotspot in the Baltic Sea isn't looking for likes, shares or retweets. In fact, it wants to be the world's first phone-free tourist island. The rule won't be strictly enforced, though visitors will be offered stickers to block out those tempting touchscreens. Psychologists say even a brief digital detox can reduce anxiety and boost productivity. And since Finland has repeatedly been named the world's happiest country by the UN. Who are we to argue? Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Would you go vacation somewhere that it was not required but encouraged? Your phone free. My wife wouldn't. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I just know that she, she wouldn't. She wouldn't want to be phone free, or she wouldn't want you to be phone free. Probably both. She would be like, <laughs> "I want to check on the kids. I want to check on the kids." <laughs> Yeah, she she I couldn't go that. away five minutes for that. Hey, when when we get back into the next segment, I want to still talk a little bit of vacations, places that you've been. Would like Texas in four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. What's the favorite vacation that place that you've gone? But also, where's that dream destination you have yet to go? Doug and I are going to give ours because obviously Mark went to Italy. Jack's in Italy right now. Let's talk a little bit of vacation coming up on seven o'clock here. It's Alan K today with Jack and friends on KLIN.
When you've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home, isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. You save traffic. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along on a Monday morning, 7.13 in the capital city. I'm Caleb Henry, Doug Fitzgerald in studio with me as well. Mark Vale, KLIN Newsroom, Chris Lofgren, Time Saver Traffic. That's a lot of names. That's what we do. (laughs) And Jack Mitchell continues to be on vacation. He will be back in the middle of next week. But while he is on vacation, I got to thinking about this topic actually yesterday, Doug. And what are those... Those vacations that, one, you have loved to go on, and you're like, man, I would I would absolutely recommend people do that. And then part two, what's a vacation you're still wanting to go mm-hmm. on? And I, I say that because I know some of these trips for, for Mark Vale, because it was, I remember back during the pandemic, stuff got pushed off. Yep. Um, I know for Jack Mitchell... Some of these vacations have been pushed off over the last couple of years, and now they're going to do some things. And I'll, I'll show you some pictures as well uh, from, from Jack's trip because they look phenomenal. The places just look beautiful that they're going. And and possibly more important than that is and maybe some of this is just because I'm a dad of a two-year-old and we went to Orlando and we had a lot of fun, but the most fun for me and may, maybe part of it is just because she was a flight risk at all times. <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of time looking up, and that that was something uh, my my wife and I talked about. Is that we wish there we we would have been set up maybe with one of those like those little wagons that we could have been just like had her in there or had her with the the backpack with a leash or something so she wasn't running off. But we spent a lot of time kind of looking down, making sure we had her, mm-hmm. and because that was priority number one. Um, but to be in a place like you're obviously in a place now and, and Jack is in a place now, um, Mark, Mark as well to where you can go on vacation and you can spend the time knowing that your kids are not just going to run off at any time because they want to climb up on this little brick wall and try to walk across it because they've been doing gymnastics for the last several months. But we spent a lot of time looking down, and what that afforded me is I got to see her reaction to everything. That's what I was going to say. You so, see so, it through, their, through so, their eyes. So that's the part of, one, it was the safety purpose, but two, 
I got to everywhere we went from from the beach to Disney Springs to Crayola Experience, the Orlando Science Museum, everywhere on the flight with Redway uh, as they sent us down there. All of those things, I got to just watch her eyes and watch her take them in. And so, what are there's going to be a different time in your life that you're watching it through their eyes versus you get to experience it with them. Mm-hmm. And they're they're right there alongside of you instead of for us our eyes were constantly right down um and i'm sure for you vacations evolve as well over over the years from where i'm at to where where you and jack mitchell are where you guys get to go out and you're more experiencing it with them than being there kind of experiencing it but through their eyes taking it in. Yeah, usually tailor, and you usually tailor the trip based upon the kids, right, and the age. So mm-hmm. the interests, like going to maybe a, you know, parks or theme parks or uh, different activities like that, the older they get, you become more involved in them, in the activities itself. Mm-hmm. So I think of like, you know, going to Disneyland, Disney World, all that, I mean, I really could care less about that stuff, right. but the kids love it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what you do. Um, just a couple of years ago, we went to Naples, Florida, spent some time down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we stayed on a you know a professional golf course, right? A PGA golf course. So my son and I went golfing. So now we're experiencing the same likes together. Mm-hmm. My daughter and um, my wife went to spas, you know, and did all the the stuff that they like to do together. Yeah. And so that evolves, yeah, over time. So, <laughs> so you it's just fun. Like Shutter, you're like, oh, whatever stuff they like. <laughs> Like do, I, I know. Guess. Oh, don't don't. don't um, I don't talk about massage. If you guys got any thoughts on on a vacation that you particularly <laughs> enjoyed, or a place that you're still really wanting to go, four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. Send a text into here, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. For me, I really enjoyed Orlando. Probably one of my favorite vacations that that I have been on is. For my grandparents' 50th anniversary, we all went and we got a. Uh, this would have been back in like 2015. Um, so their 60th anniversary is coming up here in a couple wow. of years. But we all went out to Breckenridge and got a, a few cabins together during out, winter or spring or summer. It was summer. Summer. Yep. It was That's summer. Nice out there. Yeah, it, it, was, it was beautiful. We were able to go do everything. But you talk about where you're at as a family going and experiencing something. Because myself and the vast majority of the cousins were all 21 plus, I would have been 24, 25 at the time. Well, a couple of our stops, and I think there was only only one of my cousins had, my sister had had a kid, and had, had my nephew, and then one of my other cousins that was there had a couple of kids. But for the rest of us, and we were we were going to the breweries, <laughs> like we were going and checking those out, and that was an experience that that we got to have together. But uh, but going up there into the mountains, going and checking out uh, a couple of the distilleries, and just seeing how beautiful that entire area is. And I know because of proximity to Nebraska, in general, people know this. Like we've gone out to Breckenridge and Estes Park and Colorado Springs, and like you've gone and just hit up those areas. But like when you're out there, you just go, yeah, I get it. I get it. This is a place that I have to go back multiple times. Now, a place that I haven't gone, and I think this this becomes a a conversation mostly because Mark just went to Europe and Jack is in Europe. And there's a lot of different places in Europe. So so when you're like, man, I'd love to go to Europe. Well, there's a lot there. 
That's like saying, man, I, I want to go to the mountains here in the U.S. Well, where at? Because the Smoky Mountains don't look the same as the Rocky Mountains <laughs> exactly in Wyoming right. versus going to Estes Park versus somewhere in Utah. They're going to look pretty similar, but it's not always going to be the same. I want to go to, I want to go to Scotland. Really? Now the 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 inclination or the the like the first feeling is always to be like if you if you have any heritage from those right. islands is to lean Ireland. And I, I mean, I'd love to do that too, but we have strong family ties to Scotland. As a matter of fact, my grandfather's parents on what would be my dad's mom's. So my dad's mom's parents or grandparents actually came to the United States a little bit illegally through Canada. We, we, that was my, part yeah, of my we family did too. But they came from Scotland. So we we've got all of that background to where it's like, man, I'm really interested to to know what some of the places are. But man, they have their distilleries up there. Like that's a thing that I want to go experience. But with a two year old, as we talk about <laughs> catering, what the experiences would be like, I I'm not pl- I wouldn't plan on doing something like that for another twenty years from right now. Yep. Because I would not want to unless. Unless my wife was okay with her staying at Nana and Papa's. But right now, we're really not in that place. Right. We kind of have to be with her at all times. And you want them to enjoy it, but, possibly, down the road, but, too. But I go. know that I am, at 32 years old, I have never been out of the country. I didn't see the ocean until I was 19 years old. Hmm. My daughter, and this was one of the big reasons that when when Redway had reached out and was like, hey, we can get you on either the Orlando or Vegas flight. I was like, I want to go to Orlando, and I want to take my daughter because I want her to have that experience in the beach. Even if it's not a vivid memory that she grows up with, she now has that experience. Yep. We've got pictures and video, and that's something that she can reference as she goes forward in life. I didn't have those until I was a grown adult. Now, if I were to have the opportunity to go somewhere on an international trip, I would want to find a way to take her. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of other people that there's the side of it where I can do certain things if I don't have the kids with me. But man, I just want her to get those experiences. Yeah, it's experience. Yeah. And they enjoy that. They really enjoy that. I the when you first mentioned it today, I think of growing up. We talked about this. I think I don't know Thursday or Friday of last week. I grew up on a farm. Grew up in Albion, right? So we didn't go on a lot of vacations because we, you know Dad had the responsibility mm-hmm. of the farm and his, he had business too, a fuel business. So we take little hops, right? Yeah. We go to Sherman Lake, you know, for the weekends. Uh, but every four about every four years, we would travel out to Oregon. And my mom is originally from there, so I, her whole family's from from Oregon still. And so we would go out there, and my you know, favorite memories was going out there because, like I said, we built that up over a four year time. We knew in four years we got to go. Yeah. And I remember from a little kid being you know being you know being at the ocean for the first time, mm-hmm. playing around in the sand with my cousins, all that stuff. But I remember in 1980, I would have been about 12 years old, uh, Mount St. Helens. Uh, in Washington, yep. D.C., blue, while we were out there. Oh, wow. So the cool thing about that is, as a little 12-year-old boy running around, right, was the ash coming down, because my grandparents lived in Portland, uh, ash coming down. We would collect it off the leaves, right, of uh, little vines yeah. that we had, and I'd have a little jar that we put it in, because we thought it was really cool. And then one day, um, you know, they had blocked off around the mountain how far you could go up to it. And so um, my dad 
being adventurous, took us cousins as far as we could drive up to Mount St. Helens, Mm -hmm. got out, and we were able to just pick up all kinds of ash. And I still have bottles in my office of ash from that. But that memory to me was about an event, right, that happened when we were out there. Obviously, you know, we've been out there several times since, but um, I love those trips. And I'd never been outside of the country either until our kids were, uh, when did we take them out? They were probably about 10 to 12 years old. We went to Atlantis. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. Uh, But where I want to go, you talk about overseas, and I don't know why. This is just, and I I think I saw it on a documentary one time. I'd love to go to the black sand beaches of Greece. Oh, Why, I don't know. It just looks cool, looks beautiful, and I'd just love to be able to go there. Now seeing where Mark's gone, you know, where Jack's going in Italy, to be able to take a little tour around Italy and Greece and all that, I think it would be awesome. I could spend a lifetime just taking in all of the history around yeah. Europe. I oh, there's a huge I think that's the biggest part is I, I love the history all there through there. A couple of... Text real quick, and you can keep the conversation going at 402-479-1400 on our text line. Chris Nolatha says, we just returned from Breckenridge last week. Highlight of the trip was driving down to Canyon City and riding a train through the Royal Gorge. I, I've I've looked at stuff online, and I want to do that. Along the Arkansas River, served lunch and drinks, and the scenery was spectacular. Number one, Debbie says, growing up in a football-crazy family, meant Dad took us to all the Nebraska Bowl games, Orange Bowl games, and the Fiesta Bowl game, where we won national championships. That would have been awesome. Family trips. Howdy John said, Yellowstone on there. Yellowstone always seems to come up as well. Chicken Rich uh, chimes in and says he's picturing... Me playing bagpipes and sporting a <laughs> And wearing a kilt. If you got some favorite trips and you just want to chat back and forth with us on the text line, you can do that, 402-479-1400. We'll, uh, well, we'll just chat with you, myself, Mark, and, and Doug on that text line. we got sports coming up next. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Breaking news, expert analysis, and the stories that matter most, all in one place. I totally acknowledge seeing flames uh, is a scary situation. 1499.3 KLIN. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. Whole bunch to get to this morning, so let's dive right in. Number five. Some call it a wow factor. First-time drivers of electric vehicles often wowed by the quick acceleration when they step on the uh, go-go pedal versus a typical car. Uh, But all of this has some researchers here at UNL and at Auburn University plotting a new defense 
believe it, for military bases, one that can withstand a misused Rivian Hummer or Tesla. This is a story that broke this morning, or it was published this morning by the Nebraska Examiner. Modern entrances to military bases, including Offutt near Bellevue, designed to maximize the chances that guards and guardrails, fences, and other barriers can stop assaults by drivers. But with these uh, new vehicles, that uh, could pose some interesting situations. Have either of you guys driven an electric vehicle? Nope. Yet? Nope. I have not either, so I'm interested to know what that what that juiced up acceleration apparently feels like. And then, two, obviously for, for these researchers, I, I get ahead of the problem before there is one. The Number one, that's fantastic. But what is the what changes necessarily need to be made if someone can can just accelerate quicker on the spot? Well, there, there are probably several different uh, ways they can do it, but they also have to take into consideration all the different uh, logistics of a particular base. Uh, back when uh, the Offit crews, when the maintenance was moved over here to Lincoln, I was one of the uh, Windstar drivers that mm-hmm. uh, was on the shuttle back. I and remember forth. that, yeah. And and we had to clear uh, the base uh, security every time we went in. Uh, but each base is a little different. So what do you do? Uh, maybe put these pop-up bollards, uh, you know, 350 feet beyond where they stop somebody. So you got time to stop them before... You know those types of things. Mm-hmm. Do you do you ramp up security or put in uh, at one of the entrances? You had to kind of go through an F, a series of S curves to get in. So those types of things, lots of different ways. But each facility is going to be kind of unique, right? Mm-hmm. Do we know? Because I, I haven't uh, I haven't read that examiner article that you said came out this morning. Do we know how often the misused vehicles is, is is an issue well i think what there i don't think we've had any situation so far okay. that have created a so, major issue this so, is, so it is mostly just getting ahead of the security issue before it becomes one it's a preventative issue and of course okay. unl has worked quite a bit with different uh, military uh projects uh, and, through their research and and ted carter is uh, you know is has helped move that forward as i understand and, and they've, they've done got a, a history with with the research with guardrails well, too, that's what i was right? gonna say yeah. they've done a ton of research over the last decade i think with guardrails mm-hmm. yeah it's the unl safety lab i believe it's who does most of that yeah. that's incredibly interesting i just like to know the physics because you're gonna have to get more weight behind those electric vehicles to make more damage the speed can be there but like you said down the road if you can get they're super towards, light, lightweight, and, yeah, and kind of flimsy. Yeah, if you can get flimsy. them heavier, though, I can see, man, where that speed would really make it make a difference. Mm-hmm. But that's going to take some time, I would think. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I think Chris Lofgren's got something going on. Oh. I'm going to let him slip in here. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Hi. Hey, yeah, they the research and efforts of the engineering department have been to uh, improve safety at racetracks. And I think yep. Daytona, Indianapolis, some of those places have gotten some of those uh, efforts anyway yeah yeah you you know it's it's obviously doing this stuff with the military but guardrails like yeah. doug was talking about and and yeah the race tracks that's incredibly interesting because those are definite high speed vehicles with a lot of weight <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right thank you for for that chris lofgren time saver traffic and vehicle aficionado no matter where those vehicles are moving on 
number four. Another uh, type of vehicle that is not electric powered, but goes a lot faster. <laughs> uh, Redway uh, launching service here. Uh, when it announced its launch, I should say, on March 30th, until its first flight, they sold about 10,000 tickets. First flight was June 8th. Mm-hmm. In the first two weeks of flying, they've sold another 6,000 tickets, uh, up about 300%. They're averaging something in the neighborhood of four fifty a week, and wow. they'd like to get it to five hundred. Wow! And keep in mind these ve- or vehicles, gosh, <laughs> these planes carry a hundred and fifty passengers each. So if you're selling four hundred fifty a day, a week, uh, a week, yes, a week, you're si- you're filling up capacity at least three airplanes. So you do that with the tickets that are already sold. You got a lot of people using this. Like we had just talked about, I'd already used this. Went down to Orlando, I believe. Uh, Corey over on Froggy used it to go down to Austin, or is now, go or is going down to Austin. Now, why would anybody want to do that at <laughs> <laughs> uh, this time of the year? I'm, I'm talking about right it, because they're in the middle of a heat wave. But no, I'm, I'm just yeah. Kidding. He used to live in Texas. I don't know. He'll, yeah. he'll be fine. And there's so if if you can't remember the places that they've that the destinations are there's orlando and vegas minneapolis nashville atlanta and then dallas dallas austin and are they going san antonio no i think i got them all i'm pretty sure i got them all anyway we looked into that the reason why we looked into it first time to get on the website was when they did open up the the dallas destination because we've got friends and family down there but um I think the more they open up, obviously, they're going to get more interest, which is well, great. Well, they're also going to be able to crunch some numbers and to see which of the markets mm-hmm. or the destinations may be underserved or overserved by the uh, by the number of tickets. Yep. So, I mean, let's face it, there's uh, quite a bit of service from uh, Grand Island, Kearney, the you know, Tri-Cities Airport, now Lincoln and Omaha, to the Texas markets. I mean, Lincoln has already has united to Houston. I wonder, uh, the, I wonder how this is going to impact... The Grand Island market. Well, that that's a good you know? question. You know, they've, they've got... Never thought about that. Uh, they've got, what, an American flight, I think, that goes to Dallas like, mm-hmm. every day? Yeah. Uh, Vegas and, flight, we've taken that. So, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of number crunching and to see whether a particular destination area, not just a single market, uh, gets over, uh, has too many seats for the, the, the state, if you will, or the, the, the trade area to, uh, to go into. I mean... Now you're we're serving out of Nebraska. You're serving Dallas, Houston, mm-hmm. Austin, uh, and so that's and and I think there's even a couple of others that Southwest serves out of uh, Omaha, or they have great connections. So that that'll be one of the, the things that they uh, they number crunch going forward. One of the interesting things from the CEO Nick Nick uh, Nick Wangler for for Redway. As he was talking to the Lincoln Airport Authority, and, and this is in the Journal Star article, one of the more interesting things that I found in, in what they're doing, you're looking at the number of people that are flying to these places. They're taking a vacation somewhere. They might have business somewhere. But in this article, there it's, it's also noticed that there are a number of passengers that fly from Vegas to Lincoln, stay the night, and then fly down to Dallas the next day. They can the, price it out. Yeah, because it's it's cheaper to hmm. come here, stay a night, and then go down to Dallas. Now Lincoln's not designed as a regional hub, hub. 
but there are some people that are figuring out with these flights how to make them useful. I think there's a lot of as we as we think about what this can mean for Lincoln, a lot of it is we go one way, that one way comes back. But it's now in conjunction with the other destinations in the flights that they have of utilizing Lincoln as a hub. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how much that's going to, if it hasn't already, change some of the mindset about the way these flights can be utilized and the way they can be advertised in these other communities. Jeff Mall is now going to work on his what if. <laughs> yeah. How do you visit Lincoln? If, if you're here, spend a couple of days and then take off to your next destination. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely hear more from Jeff. I'll, c- I'll come and stay vacation and leave soon. Yes, please. I think get the heck out. <laughs> Number three, Lincoln Lancaster County Health Department and LPD urging residents a potential uh, potent, potent that is animal tranquilizer xylazine has been showing up mixed with fentanyl and other drugs like heroin and cocaine, and it's uh, becoming more and more prevalent across the country. Uh, pretty deadly combination weren't we hearing previously about uh about fentanyl showing up on other drugs oh yeah well, yeah we had several yep. deaths yeah uh here what was it two two years ago a year and a half ago well, just right now i mean right now there was well last year there was one and a half million lethal doses of fentanyl that was seized just in nebraska and um uh, we they, actually they, had it mixed in uh, here in the city and in the yep, area. Yep. With uh, four or five deaths from yep, the combination. Yep. Get, and, get, and, get, get, get Narcan. So um, I interviewed Amy Holman from Nebraska's Pharmacists Association. She's like, Narcan is free, which will instantly stop the overdose, available at all pharmacies. So I went and got mine just to have it on hand. Whether you have an issue or somebody who has, has an issue with drugs or not, have it available mm-hmm. to save a life because... It's. I think there's over a hundred thousand deaths a year they're averaging right now. It's two hundred and seventy a day, and like you said, Mark, there's several that happen here in the city. And that's regarding Constant. fentanyl. Now, what what is this like? What why are they mixing this animal tranquilizer with any of these drugs? Well, I am not a drug expert. I mean, I, I'm not a drug expert. I'm not a drug user, so I I don't know what the intent is. I would imagine that that as you continue to use these drugs you build up a tolerance for them so you add in another ingredient and it gives you another uh, another high if you will or another sensation okay that would be my understanding of how the process works as opposed to just higher and higher doses of a single drug mm-hmm. uh, so the combination is you know a, a way to get a different high if that's you i just please get help please cannot say that enough please get some help number two final game tonight college world series lsu took game one four to three four to bounce back 24 to four is that right that's a that's a real (laughs) number i wrote on there mark so uh, what about the final game tonight well, you got to wonder if Florida just used all the bullets they had in the chamber yesterday. That's what, what I'm wondering. What, what's the pitching going to look like tonight? Six o'clock. You got that final. Now, a big difference was the wind was blowing out yeah. yesterday. <laughs> no, yeah. no kidding. <laughs> so there were some that guys even like they stayed in the batter's box because they were used to that wind either going across or coming in where they thought it was just a long, long out. It was going to be a pop fly. But they, they just kind of stood there and watched, and the ball carried, and the ball carried, and then all of a sudden it's gone. How many home runs were there? 
five. Is that is that a record or Yes it is. Wow. <laughs> Twenty-four to four after four to three. And then you go back even a game before that where you had the final game from the uh the preliminary session where it was Wake Forest LSU and their winner take all to get to the get to the championship series. And that was two nothing because of a walk off home run right. in the tenth uh, or eleventh inning in extras. So the pitching so far has been phenomenal. And you really saw a lot of really, really good pitching on Saturday. And guys just kind of take advantage here and there. And then yesterday it was all just, man, the bats are out. It looked like an old, an old Rosenblatt game because the offense was way, way up. You have to wonder, though, you go into tonight where it's – and we've seen this with Nebraska, you know, when they get into a regional. Think when they were at Arkansas a couple of years ago. And you are into that one final game. It is every arm available. If a guy can give you an inning, he comes in and gives you an inning. If there's a guy, a starter off of short rest, and he can give you two innings, he comes in and gives you two innings. Think of what we saw Spencer Schwellenbach come in and do. And it was like, well, all of a sudden we need him to come in in relief and go four or five innings. Like there were those types of things that happened. The season is over after today, but... A lot of these guys are also going to be signing pro contracts. There are guys, you had the the three finalists for the Player of the Year Award are all in this series. There are going to be the majority of your top five draft picks playing in the game tonight. So you have to balance the the long-term health, especially if it's a pitcher in their arm, of can you give me an inning, okay, we're definitely not doing more than that, with... You have 27 outs to win a national championship. It's a balancing act that you're going to have coaches have to tell a young man who is going to say, I'm good and I can go. Sometimes they have to tell him, no, you can't. We're, 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 pull, we're pulling the plug here. It'll be interesting because I just talked to my son last night about this. And, you know, he played college ball. And uh, he's like, man, I'm going for the win. You're going for the win. And th- who's the uh, the pitcher for LSU? Didn't he just throw like 120 pitches or something like <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, the other night, yeah. And he's going to be – sounds like he's going to be playing tonight. At the very that, – and that's the part bit. where I'm talking about get an inning, get two innings. Yeah. Um, we had – and th- this is the case, and obviously they don't have these these innings limits, but we had this – you see it with Little League yep. ball. You'll yep. see it with, with, with Legion ball with the number of innings that guys can go. We had it one year when I was playing district baseball yep. where – I went a, at the time he was playing seven innings. I went a complete game in our elimination game, got us into the championship game. I went the first two innings of that one. I had reached my maximum number of innings that I could pitch in the district. Yep. So we had to pull me, even though I was like, I can still go. Dad, I'm good. I can still keep throwing. And I hadn't given up a hit all day. I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And they're just like, yeah, no, you have to they stop. They pull that. you out. And I, I'm hoping that when you get to a situation like this where the, the bullpens have been used up quite a bit, guys are on short rest, that, that everyone is smart about it tonight. And we just have a great game because this has been, and a lot of people have talked about it, certainly since the College World Series moved to this new stadium where it was TD Ameritrade, now it's the Chuck. This is one of the greatest College World Series from start to finish, and I hope we still get that tonight as well if you're uh, looking for tickets there's still tickets available what uh do we have any prices on those or? well uh, way out uh, outfield and uh, third level there's some 40 50 60 dollar tickets but right now you want to be right behind uh, home plate section 114 row eight two tickets unrestricted view are 636 to 720 dollars each <laughs> <laughs> 
I will watch on television. <laughs> Number one. Now we're a week away from legal fireworks sales in Lincoln. Drought conditions, though, you might want to rethink the event this year. Big portion of the eastern part of the state is in exceptional drought, but fireworks sales begun outside of Lincoln, the county. Uh, Channel uh, Ten Eleven, I believe it was, had a story last night. Davies fireworks. Yep, uh, fireworks open in Davies. I've already heard fireworks oh, yeah. going off in town. I heard fireworks last week yeah. going off in town. <laughs> yep. um, that's one, and this is just a, a reminder for any year, any year at all, but especially right now as we see those drought conditions. Make sure you've got that bucket of water. Make sure you're picking up everything after yourself. I'm not here to say. Like, I know you're not supposed to do any fireworks in Lincoln until next week, but I understand the reality that people do because you can go purchase them literally right outside of town, you know, in, in Davie and Hickman and in Ceresco and all these places where they post up. So if you're going to do it, please be safe about it and try to make sure we don't have, one, any personal injuries with it, but two... Anything that can get out of control, where it's fires in town or when they get to some of that really, really dry grass just outside of town. And keep your pets That's inside or pet microchip you know, because this is the time they take off. Doug, I think you... That's what I was going to say, just because it's... it's. I think it's one of the top top few days of the year with pets being lost yep. and running away. So, so yeah, we'll give those reminders again when we get later in the week <laughs> as well, but just a heads up, one week away from when you can officially be buying and shooting off fireworks here in the capital city. It's 7.56 at your morning drive, brought to you by Stonebridge, in- Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on LNK Today. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. I start walking your way, you start walking mine. We meet in the middle, meet that old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground. Eight ten on this Monday morning, and I know he's called Summer Friend, but boy, we are definitely well into feeling like it is summer, and there's just not a lot going on. Tim, welcome into Ellen uh, K today. How you doing, Caleb? Hey, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Life is good. There's not a lot happening. What that doesn't contribute to, though, is a radio show where you talk to people about things that are happening. 
Current event. Yes, uh, <laughs> as you and I were discussing before we came on, it is quiet. Oh my goodness! And it's uh, outside of what the College World Series and mm-hmm. then you know, windy weather. What is there to talk about? How, yeah, right. So on, on the College World, how many Jello shots would you say you've had in your life? <laughs> uh, not forty thousand. What is the number now? It's like inching higher and higher. Yeah, not uh, not enough to be an LSU fan. Here's what I wonder as I see those updates like on on the Twitter and on the social media. Are they actually eating? The, do you eat a Jello shot? Are you drinking a Jello shot? Are they actually eating those? Or are they just paying for them? Like I feel like there's two. There's a distinction there, right? Like it's mm-hmm. one thing to say, "Here's twenty thousand dollars or whatever from the Raisin Canes guy. Uh, buy me some Jello shots and put them on the wall." Oh, I, by the way, I don't eat them, right? <laughs> or are they are they actually? drink eating those shots i don't know i'm just wondering how legit that number is right so Um, lsu as of an update yesterday it was at and they didn't give an update last night so we'll see if there's an update today but as of early yesterday lsu was at 46,259 and the total across all eight teams was over 60,000 (laughs) <laughs> times five dollars a shot times five dollars a shot yeah and that bar and that bar has had a really good college world series yeah yeah and now the the money from those and I, I can't remember if it's all of the money for those or just a good portion of it but that goes back to different food bakes in each of the communities for the participating teams as well as one in omaha so there, that's a good size check going out to to all of those is Rocco's has worked on that the last several years. Right. But I have I have not now Stanford is in last place with is that nine nine hundred and tw- nope, they're not in last place. Virginia's in last place with eight hundred and sixty six. Almost the, uh, almost forty five thousand be more than forty five thousand behind the leader. The College World Series and the ability of for LSU to continue to return and then to come in droves and travel is just, I mean, it is an absolute story in and of itself outside of the jello shot run. Like I remember when I was a kid and you know, we've totally divulged down the lane of the college world series here. So apologies uh, for getting us off track here. But I remember when I was a kid going out to Rosenblatt, we go, uh-huh. we go once a year. Um, my dad would take, get like a book of tickets. I don't know if you remember, like books of general admission tickets <laughs> were a thing back then. And you'd go for the whole day, you'd watch two games, and like a bunch of us kids from the baseball team would hop in the minivan and go on like a Tuesday for the day. Anyway, I remember LSU being there then, right? <laughs> That's been 20, 25 years ago now. Um, and just how many fans and how rowdy they were, like compared to maybe other fan bases, how loud and um, just they were having fun and they traveled. Uh, it's it's incredible that they continue to make it. <laughs> that they continue to have a good baseball yeah. program. And they so. used to apparently, and this wasn't something that I ever experienced, but they apparently LSU fans would rent out a house across the street from Rosenblatt. Oh yeah, and just oh, go yeah. nuts. Where um, did you did you guys do the? Like normal parking, or were you like a lot of us where you were just parking in someone's driveway, front yard? The memory where where oh. you or we went 
I can't even remember the directions for it, but we went like down a road and then we were secluded into some trees and there was like a little acreage in there and they were just parking $20 and they had to have had over 60 cars back there. <laughs> I remember the the thing I always remember doing is cutting across the golf course. <laughs> there, there's a golf course. There's a golf course west of the stadium aways, like back in that neighborhood. And like I remember walking across the golf course from wherever our car was parked out on the street. Right? Um, yeah, I miss Rosenblatt. I have not been to the new stadium downtown, but mm-hmm. um, probably need to do that sometime. So I think part of part of that apprehension to go though. Tim, for me, is with that new ballpark, and because it, it's right there with, okay, I had a CHI Health Center because it's changed names a dozen times. The area that it is, and because it's right there and it's not up against all these houses and where kind of there was a little bit of the charm that was around Rosenblatt, it just feels like it's corporate, right? Like, it, it just feels like it's this thing that, well... They, they they built it and it's brand new and they've got a sponsorship name on it and it's just not Rosenblatt, even though it's been there for a dozen years. Well, and that's sort of the appeal of like putting it where it is. And yeah, I mean, it was to make it look more and feel more like a professional um, professional sporting event. Right? That's, how, that's how you get, you get the, the College World Series to recommit to a long period of time in Omaha. That's That's what you like sort of expect out of modern high level competitive athletics you know, if you look at the stadiums that are being built in other professional sports and there hasn't much professionalism to it. But yeah, I as as a kid that grew up in central Nebraska and got the once a year trip to Rosenblatt's College World Series, like definitely kind of lost some of its charm um, since it moved there. But again, I'll also say this and freely admit it, I have not been there since mm-hmm. they moved it down. Yeah. So um and part of that too is because you can't get a ticket for you know, fifteen bucks to get you in for the day instead of <laughs> the, out in the outfield and wait for home run balls, right? Um so I don't know. I don't know. I need to I need to go. Like I, I threatened to go this year, we'll probably go again next year and then, you know, see how the probably commit to doing it next year is what I need to do. Actually do it game. I've been down like do some events around the stadium or, you know, at some of the bars or whatever, but I have not have not been to a game. Need to do that. Well, if Nebraska ever gets back, we'll all try to be there, and that's when tech, right. ticket prices will be out the nose. Right, <laughs> uh, yeah. t- Tim. You talk about the obviously for the College World Series how it, it feels a little bit different, even if we haven't gone to the new ballpark from from the charm that was Rosenblatt to what they have now. Are you are you saying that that you would advocate for Nebraska football to have a different stadium? Updated, beautiful, all the technology. Uh, I have a feeling that we're not far away from you know seeing that announced anyway. Um, I just, look, I I love Memorial Stadium. I I do enjoy going to games, but yeah, I think anybody who's been to other college stadiums or been around would tell you like we could use some some updates. And I think those I think those are probably slated to be started. I mean, they're already started to be talked about. Um, there's probably some some changes that need to be made there. But yeah, you don't you don't need a bright new shiny one, Caleb. Let's not go there. <laughs> That's a good way to get everyone mad on a Monday morning. Uh, but I mean, right. you you see what they built in Atlanta, and you see what they built in Vegas and L.A. It's hard not to get a little bit jealous. Of of just how beautiful and, and futuristic some of those stadiums are. 
Especially for a place, uh, especially for a place, if we're going to try to host a college football playoff game in mid December, like that is going to be a little rough. Ah, uh, we're not. We're away from doing that. No, we're no, I, we're not. We are. We are what? Two years uh, away from that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that they will put a substantial amount of money into upgrading some of those facilities around the edges. Right? Yeah, and, and they are uh, without changing the entire structure, but like. Even consider, I mean, consider how much Memorial Stadium's changed since we were kids, right? The, mm-hmm. Both the facades on the east and west are completely different. <laughs> I mean, and you go, it's like, it's still striking to me when you go in through, like, uh, on the east side and you, like, walk in through the doors and then you, there's another 20 or 30 feet before you see, like, the original Memorial Stadium yeah. facade or whatever um, with the way that that's built out to allow for the upper levels and the expansion and the suites and all of those things. And, you know, heck. At this point, though, you're competing for comfort, right? It's not necessarily about what it looks like mm-hmm. as much as it's about what it's like sitting in the stands, you know, sitting on your, your neighbor's lap from small-town Nebraska <laughs> that you've never met before during the game. It's, it's, always, it's always awkward and it's always tough. So, like, that's, that is what you're competing for when you're talking about kind of the ability of every single game to be on TV and – um, you know, available and easy to watch without sort of some of those hassles. Like you got to have, you have to have a fan experience that matches it. And part of that is comfort of sitting through the game in a decent sized seat. <laughs> just, just me and my I best friends from Arcadia, Tim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I think hey, and, as we go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say no. I was just gonna say, and we were talking about it earlier, but I, I completely forgot about it. And I didn't I haven't talked to Jack since the announcement was officially made. But in my world, in the political world, we are 100%. I just I heard a commercial on the air before I came on. We're 100% in petition gathering um, season, right? Yeah. So you've got commercials running on the air yeah. for the, the decline to sign. And then we've got an announcement last week on a new petition for sick days, right? Paid mm-hmm. sick leave, um, which is sort of the next step, I suppose, after the minimum wage petition a couple of years ago. So um, it is full on as we head into fair season and people being out and about in different counties and trying to get signatures in every single, you know, 5% of all 93 counties or whatever, you you got to get signatures and people are out doing that. Is the season for the petition initiative. I'm seeing a lot of social media posts about where people are at all times. Tim, you talk about that that uh, that petition drive specifically for the sick leave and, and how this is kind of the next step from that minimum minimum wage drive. Isn't that from the same people? I think it's mostly driven by the same groups that collected signatures for minimum wage. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're talking you're talking some of the same advocacy groups that pushed it. Um, what's sort of interesting about the, the conversation surrounding paid sick leave and in the legislature, maybe over the last, I don't know, eight or 10 years, um, there has been an effort to put in paid time off uh, in a way that would like basically the way we do workers comp right now. Right. So if you get hurt on the job, there's a portion of the paycheck that you and the employer pay. It's a small, you know, pennies on the dollar for every dollar you earn goes into a fund. And if you get hurt on the job, while you're injured recovering, you get payments out of a trust fund that the state manages. Kind of a, it's called workers' compensation insurance. There's been a push in the legislature to put in something like that on the paid sick leave side mm-hmm. and on like the the maternity leave for like after the birth of a child or 
family leave, I guess is what you'd refer to it for like both, you know, women, men, or if you have a close family member that's injured and needs, you know, caretaking at home, you could get payment through that insurance trust fund that would be set up through the state. I expected, or I kind of thought, hey, if we're going to put this on the ballot, we just put that whole framework in place, right? Mm -hmm. You do do paid time off for sick leave. You'd also do, you know, the the maternity leave, the paternity leave, uh, the family leave for the health of health and well-being of someone close to you. They didn't go that far. Um, and I think that's what was most surprising to me was like, hey, they've simplified it big time. It's literally it's five paid days for employees, employers with less than 20 employees, and it's seven paid days for larger employers um, that have to be given. And maybe that is just a response or kind of the way that strategically these groups are looking at how do we get a petition signed and get it through you know, court scrutiny in the wake of sort of the marijuana and gambling opinions uh-huh. and like single subject stuff. Um, yeah, the so single subject. Simplify it and make it more straightforward. I don't know. Yeah, because does this one, because uh, I asked this to Mark last week and he, he brought up the, this point, because it does address uh, whether you have so many employees and then does it also address whether or not someone's part-time or full-time or is it just full-time on there? I think it's just full time, but I have not seen the language of the petition just the just the news media coverage. Of okay, it. So I don't know if there's a categorization that's made between part time and full time employees or, or how it's all done. But yeah, it gets more complicated the more layers you put on it. Yeah, right? and, you're going to put in front of a voter, and and that that's the part that makes me really curious in this state. <laughs> how depending on on where you're at with everything on whether or not it's a petition ballot or something's coming through the unicameral how strict anything is with the single subject rules yeah uh i i <laughs> oh that's always a question anyway right with the single subject rule is what how will the court apply it when it gets an opportunity to sort of look at the precedent but then look at whatever language is put before the voters because like I said, I have like I have not even pulled it up and looked at it since the news came down last week. Mm-hmm. Um, since the paper article was there, so you're kind of relying on reporters to tell you what's in it um, until you can go look at it. But that's a whole different thing too than what a petition circulator is having a conversation with a voter mm-hmm. about what's on that petition, and then ultimately what they vote for or don't vote for at the ballot too. Right. They can, they can get to them. So. All right. Well, Tim, thanks so much for coming in and, and talking on a Monday. I'm glad we found something to talk about eventually. Uh, <laughs> through, through all of that. Uh, no show next Monday, so we won't talk to you then, but then Jack will be back after that, and you guys can talk all about his Italy trip, and hopefully something's happened in these next two weeks. Well, have a safe and happy 4th of July. So um, Good to chat with you, Caleb. Hey, thanks, Tim. Have a good one. There you go, Tim Haruza, summer friend, summer topics, and then, yeah, a little bit of politics sprinkled in there on the end. We'll get a sports check of sports right after this. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack's Friends. Severe weather means interruptions. Check closings and cancellations anytime at KLIN.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, it took about halfway through the segment to talk politics with the guy that we normally talk politics with last segment with uh, with Tim Haruza. I don't think it's going to take that long for us to get into sports with Husker 24-7's Mike Schaefer. Schaefer, how's it going on this Monday morning? I'll tell you one topic you don't want to talk to Tim Haruza about, and that's Elton John. <laughs> he, uh, he really hates Elton John. I learned that uh, before we were going to an Elton John concert. So that's a weird time to learn that fact. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I met up with Jack, and and Shelby was with me, and we were over at uh, oh, Endzone, I think. And uh, at a, you know, we we're like talking about this concert, and Tim basically was just telling us how much he uh, he thinks it's gonna suck. So there was that. <laughs> Uh, you, I wouldn't expect anything less than than that for someone from Ord, anyway. Um, <laughs> like that, and here's I didn't the know thing: where that was going. I like that. Here's the thing: I could say that in front of Jack Mitchell, and he'd be like, "Cool, I don't know. Small towns hate each other. Great." Like he would have yeah. no idea. He doesn't get that at all. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of folks. Either uh, if you go all the way back to Friday, especially, either just visiting. Nebraska this weekend or full on committing, we're we're almost gonna be the uh Thunderbird South here in Lincoln coming up after this next fall. Yeah, well you got three of them now with uh Isaiah McMorris and Davon Hall joining Daniel Kalen as committing to Nebraska. You got Xavier Betts as a holdover too. Mm-hmm. So you got at least four Bellevue West players. Plus I think there's a couple walk ons on that roster as well. So yeah, I mean there's they might make up the largest this this seems like a fun off-season project, <laughs> figuring out which school is most represented on Nebraska's 2023 roster. I'm sure, you know, when we get really into it in July and there's nothing else to do, we might revisit this topic. But, uh, yeah, so Bellevue West, um, obviously a talented school, but for Nebraska to get those two wide receivers really kind of helps out the outlook of a wide receiver room that's uh, a little topsy-turvy at the moment. We don't quite know. Uh, what to expect, but I think it's been a good offseason for Garrett McGuire, who's kind of shown that he can recruit near, he can recruit far, he can recruit in Texas, he can recruit in Nebraska, uh, and you know the the recruits are saying good things when they when they're talking about him. I know Nebraska's going to end up with uh, a couple more wide receivers in this class, and and so we'll see how quickly uh, they kind of fill out that position. But it, it's looking pretty good for Nebraska in the wide receiver room uh, in the future. With, with Garrett McGuire. So that was one of the big takeaways from this weekend, for sure. Yeah, what does it mean for a staff? Because if you have the people that are thinking historically, okay, no Nebraska, you want to get the in-state guys, you want to get guys out of Texas. And in the first several months, this staff is doing that. Like, Does it just feel weird that they're able to walk in and this start being a thing? Yeah, I mean, and I, it shows you the preparation that they did, obviously, to to be able to... Um, come into Nebraska where there has been a little bit of an issue sometimes getting kids from Omaha to say yes. Uh, starting fresh, I think that certainly helped. And then I think, you know, um, for the Nebraska piece of it, Daniel Kalen getting that commitment and, and adding him as your quarterback certainly makes it easier to get those Bell West Ride receivers. Uh, it, it'll help. I 
think if Nebraska is able to walk away with Carter Nelson, who was here visiting this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I, I think things are, are looking up in that regard. And then Texas, of course, is the bread and butter of, of Matt Rule at this point. I mean, he, I completely, completely misread how well liked and how well known he still is in that state. And, um, you know, and they're, they're using that to their advantage. I think I was counting it up yesterday. Five, six commitments now from the state of Texas with potentially more along the way uh, coming. So this, this has been exactly, you know, what, <laughs> what people would have uh, hoped for. And so I, I think, you know, if they can start to pull even higher numbers in terms of uh, players from Texas, higher rated recruits, I think that'll be a, a great fight as well. But the one thing not to get lost in here, they've also done a nice job in the area around Nebraska. They've gone into Iowa. They've gone into Kansas. They've gone into Missouri. They've gone into South Dakota. They've gone into Colorado. And I think that's important because you want to continue to try to get the best players in your region as well. And certainly, you know, the closest ones to campus because they're less likely to leave you in the transfer portal. Here's an off-the-wall one for you. So this might take a second. I like it. I like it. If you remember last fall, as, as we all might, or some of us may have forgotten, many people forget, Scott Frost was fired three oh, games into the season. Mm-hmm. Well, we transitioned an entire segment on the Friday Husker tailgate to building Jack Mitchell's formula for, oh, yeah. for yeah. the next Nebraska football coach. Had we known then that a piece of the formula could potentially be how well-liked a coach is across Texas – which, like you said, I, I don't think any of us, like maybe we all undervalued it because we didn't really know how well he was liked. How much could that have changed any or all of the formula? Um. Well, considering the guy making the formula is crazy, it's hard <laughs> to say. But, yeah, I mean, it certainly, it, it has caught me by surprise. I mean, I, I obviously knew he had success at Baylor. I knew that he had coached there. Um, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get uh, high school kids talking about how their parents, um, you know, were really impressed by Baylor and that they had been at a function that Matt Rule came and spoke at and he shook their hand. And, you know, the, the whole thing is just sort of amazing because we were talking, you, know, you mentioned small towns earlier, but Matt Rule feels like the quintessential small town king. Like mm-hmm. he's just the guy that you go into these towns and he knows everybody and is shaking everyone's hand and everyone likes him. He's, you know, and then you jokingly refer to him as the mayor, like the mayor of that town. Like <laughs> somehow, like Matt Rule is the mayor of Texas, and particularly Central Texas. Uh, you know, along that interstate uh, there, where where Waco, Austin, Dallas, all of that is. And so, I I did not know. Like I just simply did not have any expectation that it could be that good for them in Texas. And then certainly, look at some of the hires. I mean, you go get Bob Wager, that gives you instant credibility with current coaches. Garrett McGuire certainly is going to give you credibility because everybody loves Joey McGuire. Your big opposition for the other king or mayor of Texas, if you will. So I I think that certainly played into it. And then you you had some assistants that were there when he was at Baylor. So they just know the landscape really well. Uh, But I, I definitely am excited to see sort of how they move this thing forward with how they recruit. I mean, what the strategy becomes in future years, what it all sort of looks like. But yeah, I, I would be the first to admit that we did not really understand <laughs> the impact that he could have in Texas. I can't find the tweet. Someone had shared it over the weekend, but Rule and Company, they took out a full page 
and what I think was a, a Texas coach's newsletter or magazine or something talking talking about how like good luck in, in your off season preparations in this fall or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean they're uh, they've got they've got some outside the box ideas on how to be visible. Uh, and you know some of it like. We don't want to. We don't want to paint it as it's just all opportunistic. Oh, we just want these kids from down there. Like I, I think they genuinely care about what happens in Texas because, again, you the people that he surrounded himself with. You know, Doctor Susan Elva has mentioned that either. I mean, they just there. There is a, a certain understanding and a certain level of care they have for Texas high school football, and um, it definitely benefits them to to market that to a degree. But I also think there's a genuine reason behind it too do you think burt kreiser actually made a field goal yesterday in those pictures no i i don't <laughs> i really don't uh, but i don't think anybody makes field goals like some of the dumbest stuff you see is when people online are like oh i could have made that i could have done that it's like yeah you kick it against air isn't the same as you having to kick in a stadium with people in it with a defensive line on the other side but, you know, so I just, I'm always skeptical of anyone who claims they can make any kind of kick. And this largely stems from the fact that, like, if I went out there right now, there is almost a 0% chance I could make a PAT, like a college PAT, yeah. not an NFL one, like a college one. There's, I don't know. I don't have the form. I'd probably try to toe punch it. I, I just went, I'd break a toe. Like, the whole thing just sounds like it'd be a disaster. So I just genuinely assume that no one else can do it either. I am towing the hell out of it. Like I already know that. Like as I, I kick a I kick a little ball around with my daughter, and I try to use good form. I'm like, okay, inside of the foot. Okay, we'll hit the top of the foot on here. You get me with the football, and unless I am punting it, where I'm like, okay, I punted a little bit. I I will tow the bejesus out of that thing, and it will yeah. it will be five yards off of the ground. It is hitting yeah. someone in the back. It'll go thirty five yards, just at you know <laughs> no higher than. <laughs> that it is it is the the perfect this wasn't really a squib kick call but it's ending up being a squib kick call and the ball is just going to end up wherever it ends up yeah, yeah. well uh, maybe you're just trying to ramp it off of your offensive lineman through the upright yeah it, you're just trying to take a good hit there and give the assist to your center he deserves yeah. a little your long snapper he deserves a little bit on special teams absolutely uh, Shafe is is where one game left in the college world series other than that 24 to 4 shellacking yesterday, this has been by all accounts one of the best college world series from start to finish with how close the games have been, the high level pitching, especially what we saw in that elimination game between LSU and Wake Forest last Thursday where you have these these guys who are going to be dudes in the draft coming up take it all the way to to extras and there no runs can come across what what has been just your overall impression of the the entirety of this college world series and especially that no nebraska's not in it but man it's in our state so it's interesting oh yeah i mean it's been a phenomenal cws if you like baseball at all there's pretty much something for you um in, in any of this, and even if you were like, oh, I want to see runs, well, you got a lot of them yesterday. <laughs> and if you're like, oh, I want to see Titanic home runs, well, Florida has those too, and so does LSU at times. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's been fantastic. I, I know just being down there working with, with uh, 1620 uh, over there in the Omaha Baseball Village, I just feel the energy is just up. Like, I, this is definitely 
the first time, and I, I've said this on other shows, it's like the first time it feels like everything kind of belongs. Like I spent so many years just sort of begrudgingly disliking uh, the Chuck, I guess is what we're supposed yeah. to call it now. Um, because it wasn't Rosenblatt, it wasn't nostalgic, and it felt corporate, and it kind of sucked. And I still think all of that was true, but this is the first year that it won me over. And the energy down there is great. And the, the gameplay down there for this whole CWS has been great. These teams have been great. Like, I hurt for Wake Forest, even though I didn't care who won that game, because they had played a good tournament and they deserved to be in a championship series. And yet they just could not scratch one more run across. And we saw one of the best defensive plays that I have ever seen uh, <laughs> from that first baseman. Uh, and then, you know, it's just, it's been that kind of tournament. Like there's just every game has one of these sort of whoa moments. And it, it's been great. So for it to come down to the final game makes a lot of sense. I hope we get a good one. I hope it's much more like game one than it is game two. Again, I don't care who wins. I'm mostly interested to see how angry Twitter is going to get when Paul Skeen comes in to throw. <laughs> oh, because, exactly. I mean, I follow more than enough, uh, more than enough MLB scout type people and fantasy baseball type people. And you would think that the, the duty of LSU is to not attempt to win a game ever. Um, and that these guys are just out here to have fun and that this isn't like a million dollar business. So. Uh, the, the, the Twitter accounts are going to be up in arms with Paul Steen's future top three pick, probably. Yeah. Uh, takes the mound at some point in today's game. I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know if he's going to come in in the third inning and then pitch it to its conclusion. But that guy is not, not throwing in tonight's game. There is just no way. Like, he is going to be out there. I was saying that earlier, as a matter of fact, just about an hour ago, that it's, it's the balancing act between knowing where like the, the pitcher and the player knowing where he is and what he wants and the coaches and the trainers knowing what you can get out of them. If it's two yeah. innings and they can get two innings, then you get two innings. If it's if it's four and they're all comfortable with it, you get four. If it's just one, you go out and you get one inning. But that's a there's gonna be everyone and this happens all the time anyway, but there's gonna be everyone and their brother on Twitter who is right and LSU is wrong at all times, no, yeah, mat, no matter how many innings he goes. Yeah, and here's what bothers me, and this is why I get annoyed every time around this time of year. Like, we all pretend that there's this magic number of pitches that every arm has when no one ever acknowledges that throwing is a completely opposite of what your body's intended to motion. So the amount of stress that you put on it is unquestionable whether you're just soft-tossing or whether you're actually out there throwing because it's a rotation against the body. Mm -hmm. And no matter how you try to, to prevent arm injuries, they will happen. Like it's, it, you know, the, the Nationals shut down Steven Strasburg in the postseason when he was at his apex because he couldn't throw one more pitch according to their algorithm. <laughs> and he still tore, you know, he yep. still tore something the next time he went out and pitched the following year when they didn't win a world series. So or didn't even get out of the first round of the playoffs. So I just, it, it's difficult because I look at somebody like Paul Steen and we don't know what the future holds, but if he comes in, he throws, let's say four innings and he shuts, they, like LSU has the lead after the fifth and he shuts down Florida and they end up winning and he's going to be immortal mm -hmm. in the college world series. And that may not mean something to the MLB scouts, but it sure as hell means something to the Baton Rouge people and the LSU fans, and to Paul Skeens himself. I mean, 
you have a chance for immortality and you have a chance for glory. It's really, really hard to be like, yeah, I don't know. This keep law says I shouldn't throw another pitch for the rest of the year. Like, what? come on. I mean, it's, it's sports. Like, I, there's going to be some risk. And like you said, if everybody can come to agreement on a pitch total or a plan, I think they can do it safely enough. Now, I know that the obviously the financial numbers are different if he's playing for a World Series right now. But if you got that that same situation, three days of rest, and they're playing a Game 7, you don't think those staffs are just burning everybody they've got if it's one innings or if, if it's one inning or if it's four? Like, it's the same yeah. thing that'll happen at the next level. It's tough because Cleveland actually just had this. Shane Bieber was their, their number one guy, and they didn't throw him on four days rest against the Yankees in the last game of the, the ALDS last year, and that was like this big debate because it was he hadn't thrown on four days rest all year. Uh, he had just come off of a season with arm problems and was pitching well, and he's your most expensive asset. And so they basically they decided not to throw him because they just weren't comfortable that they didn't have like this routine. They threw another guy who was on like seven days rest and he gave up three runs in the first inning and didn't get out of the first inning and they lost the game. So, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You have Madison Bumgarner who had one of the greatest performances out of the bullpen that most of us can remember in game seven. Uh, so for the, basically won the Giants the World Series. Mm-hmm. Did it cost him later in his career? Nobody knows. Is he still a crazy person? Absolutely. <laughs> You're, but by, by the I, way, I will never forget his performance in 2014. I, you know, like so. There's like a level of immortality that yeah. that is is achievable that very few people ever get. And so that's that's almost more than who wins or loses. What happens with Paul Skeens is like the thing I'm most intrigued by for tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing real quick before I let you get out of here. I, I was really intrigued by what you said about the Chuck because as I was talking with Tim, we were talking about how neither of us is gone. Part of it is, one, trying to get tickets, but two, the feeling of it being corporate. And that's the exact word that I used, and that you're not just going and parking in someone's driveway, paying them 10 20 bucks or whatever, and then walking across getting an ice cream and going to the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not there, but... If you just go down and you spend an hour around the Omaha baseball village and you see all the people and kind of the excitement uh, for all of these games, if you spend time in that stadium, you can get swept up kind of by how the games are going. I just, it, it has just won me over. Or I guess you could say a war of attrition that has worn me down and won me <laughs> over that way. But I, it feels like it's the home of, of you know, the, the College World Series. And I'm glad it's still in Omaha. It'd be a lot worse for all of us if this event was somewhere else. Yes. I mean, even if Nebraska is not playing in it, I still have so much of a good time just going down there, hanging out, you know, getting into trouble where the beer tents are at, that sort of thing. <laughs> but, I mean, it is, it's a great event, and I think we're really fortunate that, especially here in Lincoln, it's only, you know, an hour away. We don't have to deal with any of the traffic. We just get to decide if we want to go or not. Exactly. Well, I'm glad it's starting to feel a little bit more like that. Maybe it'll draw me up there. One of these years, especially when Nebraska gets back up there. That's my yeah, I mean, if Nebraska's there, I expect that you're going to be there. <laughs> you know we will all be there, and we, be, we will be fighting all of the ceiling raccoons and whatever else happens with the critters around the ballpark. Yeah, they're going to need an auxiliary press box if Nebraska <laughs> ever makes it up. Uh, it's Mike Schaefer, Huskers 24-7. Hey, we're off next week, so we'll talk again in a couple weeks when Jack comes back. All right, sounds good. Have a good one. You as well. It is 8.56. We will wrap up LNK Today with Jack's friends next on KLIN. 
You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. That'll do it for a Monday here on KLIN. I'm Caleb Henry, Doug Fitzgerald. Thanks for hanging out on a, uh, another one. All week. Yeah, we got all week here, all week. And then next Wednesday as well as the Jack Mitchell Vacation Expedition continues. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we're going to get Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, John Baylor, voice of Nebraska Volleyball, looking ahead this week. On Wednesday, we're going to talk a little bit with the Nebraska Sports Council about the Cornhusker State games that are coming up. Those will be starting here in about a week and a half. As a matter of fact, the next Wednesday is when that torch run is going to finish up. We will... Obviously, get to your What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday. You can send those in anytime, 402-479-1400. We'll keep those in the bank for when we do get to that on Wednesday. No Greg Sharp this week as he is on vacation, but Grow Lincoln team will be in on Thursday, your ticket Thursday as well. Plenty of tickets to give away. We'll try to play another fun game for that one. And your Request Line Friday theme is... America, whatever that means to you. Send it in, 402-479-1400. We'll keep those in the bank and get those played for you on our request line Friday. Wrapping things up here on a Monday, I will, uh, Doug, we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. See you tomorrow. all tomorrow here on LNK Today.